Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we are talking to a man whose passion for barbecue has led him to not one, not two, but three different career paths. family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 119 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. And as I said at the top of the episode, we do have a really interesting episode coming up for you with a really cool guy. But before we get into it, I've got a couple of announcements that I need to run past you. First of all, if you are new to the low and slow barbecue scene, we do have a beginner's guide to real barbecue available over on the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue website. It is completely free. Uh, just have a click on through to the website, have a bit of a scroll around, smoke smokinghotconfessions.com and a pop-up will come up asking you if you want it. So easy as, just uh, enter the information and it'll uh, send it through to your email there straight away. The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue, all free. Also, we are looking for businesses to partner with regarding sponsorship here in the in the podcast. So we're looking at introducing some video ads, uh, one minute in length, and looking for some uh, some people who've got some messages they want to get into the eyes and ears of some raving mad barbecue fans. So if you think that's you, hit me up with an email, ben at smokinghotconfessions.com, and let's get that sorted. Now today, as I said at the top of the episode, we do have a man whose passion for barbecue has led him to three different career paths. So we're going to talk to him a bit later on about that. We're going to find out um, about that progression. So he started as a butcher. He's opened up his own barbecue shop and now he's extended the barbecue shop into a food truck as well. So if you're putting together the pieces at home, we are talking to Rick Carr from Rick's Grill down in South Australia. So without further ado, let's get stuck into it. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Alrighty, Rick, welcome to the confessional, my friend. How are you today? G'day, Ben. It's been a minute. How you been? Good, man. Good. It's been, what, uh, it, it'd be a year since we last spoke now, I think. I was trying to think, when was, was the last, what was it, the last comp? Was it Horsham? Uh, up in smoke i can't remember which one it was they're all the days i think horsham was the one uh, it, it was the first one i met you in person and we recorded a little video interview there was when you were first opening the shop and then that's I actually, correct. the smoking joint that one was smoking joint that's right yeah yeah, yeah. And over in the horse yeah. stables <laughs> that's right <laughs> <Mr. Ed. laughs> yeah, yeah. and then i came by the <laughs> shop and i saw you a few months later for um i was on my way to fat trip that's correct yep yep we had a beer here didn't we yeah we did yeah Yep. Yes. But, yes. But, but just one because I had to drive out to the Barossa Valley. So it was, it was just one. We were well behaved for one time. We were. We were. Yeah. 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 We had to keep it under control for once. Yeah. So tell me, my friend, what was the last thing that you barbecued? I'm doing some pork ribs right now, actually, out in the Yoda smoker. So the last thing would be, as of now, oh. my barbecue clock does not stop 24-7, basically. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny you mentioned that, actually. I've got the I've got the wife watching the radar hill outside here now, just through that window over there. And I've got uh, two two briskets, two pork shoulders, and a giant piece of uh, chuck roast there. Just uh, Yeah, so I just, told my, I just told my wife to stir up the glaze so on yeah. the same page, right? Yeah. I actually set an alarm on my wife's phone with a reminder telling her to put another log on in about 15 minutes. This is married life, isn't it? (laughs) Mrs. Pitmaster. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So tell me a bit about that Yoda. You mentioned that you have a Yoda. So we're running out of um, Adelaide's actually biggest Yoda smoker, three door. Um, um, The Kano boss, three with Kano boss. 
Um, he got it off the, the main man, Dave Sprigg, got it imported over. We built the trailer here in Gawler and um, three tonnes of barbecue towing around the streets of Adelaide. So it is not light. It is a heavy, heavy beast and it is huge. Wow. <laughs> it turns heads when we're driving. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised that, that to, to, to hear you say that. I think last time I was there, you had a pellet grill. So I was expecting you to talk about like in like a YS640 or something like that. But a, a three-ton trailer, that, that would have to be bigger than the original TSJ one, wouldn't it? It is. It is. The original TSJ was two-door. This one's a three-door. So it is a touch bigger than the TSJ. Um, it's huge. It's big. I was using the pellets. I found them so convenient, so easy, but I had to go back to the original stick burner. I just, I just couldn't refuse it. I love to barbecue and barbecuing to me is stick burning. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So is that what you use throughout the shop as well as the, as the truck as well? Yeah, correct. We use, we use that everywhere and anywhere we go. Um, it basically runs honestly 24 seven at the moment. We're going through a ton of, a ton of wood every two weeks. Wow. So it's just, it doesn't stop night, days, it's going, I, I need to put a swag next to it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Man, with, with a trailer that big, you could, it, it'd be strong enough that you could just build a second story and put like a pop-up pop yeah. off-road yeah, tent on there. A little bathroom on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even a shower, yeah. Little little privacy tent. Exactly. I have actually seen some people who, um, they had a just a smaller 20-inch one. It was a fellow up here, um, uh, 50 Shades of Pork maybe? Um, no, no, you know, no. you're going to get that wrong. <laughs> Someone's no, going to say something no, to you. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it, it's somebody else. It's the, it's the steampunk Yoda. And he's, he's, yes, actually, yep. he's actually welded his own uh, little hot water tank to the firebox. And so. Awesome. So any, it actually heats it up itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anytime cool, he needs cool, a wash cool. or something, he's, he's got hot water on tap there. Every comp, I look at that, um, smoking, smoking grillers trailer and I just look at that and go, oh, they are sleeping in luxury. That yeah. thing is a beast. Yeah. Have you yeah. seen that one? Oh, the big uh, heat beads trailer. Yes. Yeah, yes. That, that is amazing. Cool. That yeah. 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 <laughs> That's yeah. the next move for me, I reckon. Oh mate, I, I saw that for the first time at uh, Port Macquarie 2018 and it was blazing hot. They had the air conditioning going. They had Mario Kart on the TV inside and yes, yeah. like, like bean bags on the floor with the, cause the, the bunks fold up against the wall. It was really cool. Yep. That's great. That's it. It's amazing, actually, the uh, different sites to go around a comp and the different things they have set up. Some of the things you see set up are just mind-blowing. Like, you could live there for years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I found that with some of the comps I was going to in America. I was like, this is nicer than my house. And this, and, remember, and this is your competition um, trailer. I remember Creekside, but they had the, the competition for the best, best set-up site. And TS, TSJ out of South Australia here, God, did they smash it. I remember one year they had a full lounge chair, Nintendo set up. It literally looked like, you know, when you're 16 in the backyard, you know, in your shed in the backyard, it was an amazing sight. Really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I have seen some photos of, uh, of smoking grillers with a inflatable pool there as well. That, that, that might have been a similar <laughs> competition. They were competing for who could have the best sight. I can imagine Joy light up in that. <laughs> I think there's actually a photo floating around of someone belly flopping into it. It's like the... The full arms out, belly out, and then just water spraying up everywhere. As long as it's not um, Andrew from Q Club, like in the creek that year, we'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let's hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, man, tell us how you got into barbecue. What was your introduction to the barbecue scene? Yeah, so a uh, young fella, 15, 16 years old, up in the Adelaide Hills here in the country. Um, left school, didn't know what to do. Typical Larrican style thing. Um, found a job in a butcher shop, cleaning it up. 
then went on to doing my apprenticeship at the same shop, uh, became a manager of that shop, ran that shop up there, ended up moving down to the city, running a couple of butcher shops down here, then actually bought my own shop and sort of got in contact with um, Abel Kostonis from Clean Heat Charcoal, the, the man, the myth, the legend. The man himself, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, is, he is, yeah. And uh, got talking barbecue with him because I always like to cook over charcoal, so I was purchasing some charcoal off him. And then he said, oh, you know, can we get a brisket? Can we get this? And then sort of he started introducing me to a few other people and I started doing some low and slow and the passion grew. And, you know, like we say to most people, it's like a drug. Once you're hooked, you're on. Yeah, no doubt about that at all. Yeah, yeah. So what So what drew you to to butchery in the first place? Was it just like a general love of meat you've always had? Like you? I've always loved cooking, always loved to barbecue as such. I've, you know, we've got family photos. Me as a young fellow with my grandfather cooking on a, a brick fire pit barbecue, you know, things like that. So I've always loved to barbecue. Um, and it was just one of those jobs that I could leave school and, and have an actual trade behind me. And um my parents for giving me shit for leaving school, really, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear that, man, yeah. Um, yeah. So when you were moving into butchery, did you, like, what was the hardest sort of part to it? Was it was it something that sort of came naturally to you or did you really have to sort of work at it? A lot of people seem to struggle with the workload and the hours. Um, it's, it's long days. We're doing 15, 16-hour days and not blinking at it. Um, and that was hard at the time when I was young, you know, I wanted to go out, I wanted to go party, you know, do all the of fun course, things, yeah. cruising the cars. And I'm still doing it now. <laughs> um, but what it has taught me is to sort of, and I'm lucky for it now, that I sort of blend the two lifestyles together where, you know, I, me doing a 20-hour day, my wife cannot keep up with me. She always says, you know, have a rest, sleep. Four-hour sleep is a huge, huge effort for me. Like, I, I just don't stop. Wow. Okay. And and is that an ADD thing or you just love work? Oh, 100%. 100%. The, the Ritalin when I was a teenager never helped. <laughs> <laughs> I got a buddy who, uh, who who grew up on a farm. He, he's, he's definitely ADHD. And I remember as a yep. kid, his, his parents would just say to him, go run up that mountain. There was a big mountain up yeah. behind the house. Yeah. And I used to get chasing the seagulls at the beach. Go catch a seagull. <laughs> yeah. My parents would make me do it for hours. So exactly the same thing, mate. Yep. Yeah, cool, yep. cool. But that was definitely that was definitely sort of uh, what people found, you know, as soon as you said to your uncle, your auntie, your older generation, your influences, whatever, that you're a butcher, oh, you know, how do you find the long hours? And within a couple of weeks, it was just my lifestyle. That's just what I did was, yeah, didn't stop working. And um, luckily now I've sort of blended my, my social life and my fun life into my work life as well. So it just doesn't stop for me and I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, um, I, I, not exactly the same sort of thing, but I uh, I ended up going and working in bars as a teenager at, at when I was at university because I couldn't afford to go out to the bars where all my friends were going out to the bars. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just work yeah. at the bar <laughs> and then I still get to hang out with my friends and someone else pays me to be there. So That's exactly how I sort of learned to barbecue was, you know, I was uh, sponsoring all the, the major teams here in Adelaide and everyone says, oh, well, where did you learn? Well, I was going around to all the best of the best, you know, sucking up with smokers, smoking joints, smoking still. These guys are trophies after trophies and sitting courtside with them while they're cooking and they're all giving me their, their tips and their pointers and what rubs, you know, I'm watching everything that no one, you know, throws behind the scenes that no one's allowed to see and I'm watching it from every single one of these teams and just picked up a little bit from everyone and it's, it's been great for me. Yeah. Now, you just started mentioning the, some of the Adelaide teams there. Tell us a bit about the, the, the barbecue scene down there in Adelaide. The barbecue scene down in Adelaide is um, very, very tight-knit, family-oriented. 
the, what I've noticed the most is, you know, if, if a newcomer's coming up, the, the amount of help and the amount of hits and hints and everything that these these guys get is just second to none compared to when, you know, some of us, the older guys, so to speak, that have been around a few years now, sort of, you know, we had to do some research to get it. And we've got a, a barbecue Facebook page down here called South Aussie Barbecue. Um, thousands of members on it and we've got file sections in there that Dane Cohen from Smoking Seal has written up and um, Rebecca from um, Texas has written up and it's just step-by-step instructions of exactly what to do um, and they're there for everyone like there's everyone is there to help everyone it's it's a real family we we our kids play together you know we have barbecues together it's it's a really really tight-knit group yeah, I, I know that group that you're talking about there. It, it's really tops. It's um, what it's just a shade under ten thousand people there now. I think it is. It is, but um, not not you know comparing to other pages. But you know, I'm a member of most pages, and just the positive vibe through that page is I've never seen enough. Even in different different social groups, I'm involved in a uh, men's mental health group down here, and that's a real positive page as well. But this the barbecue page is just there's never any put down. Someone could ask the most what people would say the stupidest question and no there's not one negative comment towards it so it's amazing to uh, welcome the new guys to come in and feel comfortable to ask you know how do i like my chimney or you know what's what's the difference between this brand and that brand or anything like that and there's just no judging on what they're learning at the time yeah that's really good that's incredible there's a there's quite a few groups in there that um that seem to develop this kind of a I guess people don't understand that that as their level of knowledge increases, that there's other people following that don't have that no, that that level of knowledge. That's right. And and they're so, very quick to they're very very quick to forget that they were there. Yeah, they were in that they were in that spot. Whether it was six months ago or six years ago, we none of us created this. We've all learned it as we've gone along. Um, I get it a lot that I get um, customers coming to me from being in the butchering days saying, "Oh, well, I've gone to this butcher. He doesn't know what he's talking about because he's given me some yearling beef rather than some apple scored beef." And it's like, well, no, that's his job was to learn how the trade, not learn the difference between what we need for low and slow. So how about educating your butcher and tell your butcher to give me a call. I'll, I'll help them. But it's, it, yeah, I just don't get the whole putting down when people are learning. That's, that's not right in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Now you just raised a bit of an interesting point there about butchers and low and slow cuts and all that sort of stuff. As an, as an Aussie trained butcher, how did you sort of come across the, the U S style barbecue cuts and how did you learn to cut them right? I'd been, I'd been butchering for oh, 10, 12 years before I became, come across the American style. And I don't, look, it's not that you learn at all, but, you know, like a chef, like a painter, like a mechanic, you learn your way of doing it and you get very confident and sound in that way that you do that. Then to be doing that for so many years, managing shops, and then to see this, what, there's something I don't know, like there's this, there's this new thing I can learn. And I just themed it and every YouTube video I could watch and talking to other barbecue guys and um, speaking to good, you know, good solid butchers like Luke from Kelly's Meats and uh, Glenn from Cha Cha Cha, just feeding information off those guys. Like, what's this? What's that? How do I do this? And and then talking to the barbecue guys themselves. That's where in South Australia we had um, Dane Cole regularly come into the shop with me and break down a beach, show me what was what. Um, Grant from, I'm, I'm, remember how I met Grant from Smoking Joint. I was at a comp and I was trimming some beef ribs and Grant's like, here, here, let me show you. And we both actually ended up teaching each other where I sort of bring in the Australian butchering style and he was showing me the American style and we just blended the two together. And it's like, we created this new way of trimming beef ribs and I still use it this day. I'm pretty sure he does. It's, like, it's just great to have something new, learn it and just embrace it and grow with it. 
Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of TSJ, as we did say earlier, that was the first time I think I met you in person was when we did that little interview down there at, at Meat Meat in Horsham. Um, how long have you been cooking with them? And and tell us uh, tell us some um, some family-friendly podcast stories that you can about TSJ. Well, there's actually a new nickname for Grant Neal that I've got to bring up. He was known as Mr. Hollywood, which everyone would know him as. We're going to start a new one. We're going to call him Hippo- Mr. Hippopotamus. Uh-oh. That is Grant Neal's new name. Um, I'll let him explain why he's got that nickname. But uh, anyone to see him in the next few months, just say hello, Mr. Hippopotamus for us. He'll okay. have a giggle at that one. Um, I've known Grant for oh, four or five years now. Um, he's, he's, he is the larrikin of barbecue. He, he is a character and a half, but he's got a heart of gold. He, I can ring him at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, mate, these beef ribs aren't cracking. What am I doing wrong? Blah, blah, blah. He, taught, he, he was the one that taught me fire management on that big Yoda. It was obviously that's your biggest struggle with, you know, getting your heat, getting the pit up. And he's, he's the guy that taught me all that. So he's got all the time in the world for anyone. And um, that's, what I, that's what I really, really appreciate about that bloke. Yeah, he's definitely a good guy, yeah. And he, he really understands... Um just from a from a kind of a branding perspective, like putting on a putting on a persona for the public as well, because I've oh, I found yeah. that um, having conversations with him in public and having conversations with him in private are, are two two completely different experiences. Let's be honest, like when I, um, when I first sort of got involved in the scene, I was sort of sponsoring a lot of the teams, and I wasn't actually at the time wasn't sponsoring TSJ. That was sponsored by um, Ian Shaw down at Ellis Butchers, and um, so I was sort of watching him from that public eye, and I'm going. This guy's a tosser. Like, why is everyone loving him? And then the minute we met at that comp, we spent hours together, and I walked away from that comp going, "He's one of the best guys I've ever, ever, ever met. Like, he's amazing." And Abel Castonis was sort of a mutual friend of both of us, and he was sitting there going, "You guys would get along." And we're both going, "Nah, nah, nah." And you know, now you can't separate us when uh, when we got on the beers or whatever. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, just looping back to the Adelaide barbecue scene. Um, we got a we've got a comp happening right now in Queensland and another one in two weeks' time. You lucky, what, lucky bungers. <laughs> what's it looking like for you down there? Look, we we are looking good. Don't get me wrong. We're, we it feels like we're staying in front of the whole COVID situation. Um, as for barbecue comp and festivals and everything like that, I think they're going to hold back. They're sort of uh, really, really watching being safe and all that. We've uh, hit a new restriction here with um, standing and drinking and eating food. You now have to sit down. Um, but yeah, it's a strange one. I know I've seen that look, Ben. Okay. Um, so basically, what they're, what they're trying to yeah, what they're trying to do there is stop social drinking and eat, social drinking like arms around each other and stuff at a bar. So obviously, me owning the bar here, I've got to keep right up with all of those. So it's literally sit down and eat and drink, and not a social event as such. So you can't loop arms and sing your favourite footy anthems. No, no, that's all cancelled. There's there's no man love allowed. Ah. Oh. It's terrible. They're killing <laughs> so off the Aussie come, culture. Don't bother coming, Ben. Don't bother coming, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so let's move on now and chat about the shop. Now, the first question that I got to ask is when I came down there last year, it was called the home of low and slow. Now it's called RG. Have you done a bit of a rebrand? My branding changes like my underwear. <laughs> it really does. Um, I guess, look, the thing behind my brand, it's strange because I never ever have the vision of creating a brand or selling a product. That's, that's not what I'm about. My, I am my brand. It's, it's, it's a weird way of thinking, but my journey and 
my dreams and where I lead and what I want to do. I'm, I'm a family man. I've got my daughter. I've got my wife. She, she rides in the food truck. She rides, she sit out at the barbecue with me. Um, so the RG and the, the home of Lowenslow is a movement as I move and as I grow as a person, this so-called brand of mine does the same thing. When we had Adelaide Hills Beef, the butcher shop out in uh, the northern side of the city here, um, we always used the slogan, the home of Lowenslow, because we were sponsoring all the major teams, anyone that needed any rubs, meats and all that, we were, the, we were the people to come to. So then when we moved over to, when we sold that shop and moved over to the bar, we wanted to keep the same flow going and sort of people knowing that it was still me and it was still going to be the place where you could get those things. So obviously Adelaide Hills Beef wouldn't recognise with that, so we went with the home of Lowenslow. Then we kept the home of Lowenslow and that was working really, really well. And then we purchased, got the food truck, um, hit the road and sort of everyone was like, well, where's Rick Carr? Where's Rick Carr? And it's like, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And it was um, Grant Neal that came up with it. He goes, you need to orientate your brand with your name. That's, that's you. That's what the people are tracing. So that's where the RG comes from as in Rick's grill. So it's far, it's far from me being cocky. It's far from anything. It's, I'll, I want to be involved with everyone. There's nothing better when I'm out on, the, out on the road, out in the barbecue. Someone rocks up, we, we talk the talk and, you know, have, have fun, have a beer. And that's what barbecue is all about to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and you've done a good job with that um, as well. I was having a bit of a look through your socials there earlier. Your, your themes, you, you have this kind of a hip-hop theme and it seems to have gone through, um, like it's consistent across all the branding, which is really good too. I grew up, I grew up really, really strong listening to hip-hop got involved in um, emceeing in hip-hop nightclubs and stuff like that um, as a young fella. So that's sort of a part of me and I want to represent who I am. So, yeah, even we've just now launched a new range of rubs that are about to hit the shelves. They'll be over at um, Q Club and over uh, Glens in Melbourne and um, Loops and stuff like that. And all of those rubs are orientated with the hip-hop names as well. So we've got a, a chicken one and that's called uh, Chicky Minaj. Um, it's got like a, a, a photo. We've uh, got a graphic designer to incorporate um, a chicken and a picture of Nicki Minaj um, and incorporate that as the logo. So I'll send you the JPEG of that. We've got um, we've got a pork one, and that's called uh, Piggy Smalls. So that's got Biggie and a pig mixed together. And then we've got the beef one that's called the Infamous Mob from Mob. Um, so on. So we've done that as well. And so everything I try to do, I do and try, try to incorporate it with my, with who I am. So people know who I am. Nice. Nice. So is this a part where you tell us that you're the sixth member of the Hilltop Hoods and you're the guy that, <laughs> you're the guy that quit the band just before that first album came out? Yeah. I was, I was going to be, I was going to be famous. If only my mum and dad let me do it. No. Yeah. 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 You, you actually wrote that first album, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Nose, nosebleed section is all mine. <laughs> Awesome, man. Awesome. So, uh, mate, look, congrats on those new rubs. That's th- that's really exciting. I actually did see um, uh, Piggy Smalls. I I saw that flash up in the social medias, but I didn't realise that that was yours. That, yeah, yeah. That's really so cool. We were, we were using them on a, obviously, when you're running a restaurant and cooking the volumes of barbecue that we're cooking down here, I mean, you can't afford to use. We started off using... Um, uh, butcher's axe is one we were, we were loved using. We were using a lot of butcher's axe bark up on our, on our brisket and all of that. And then um, my accountant sort of rings me and goes, nah, mate, you, you can't do it this way. Like, <laughs> you're going to send yourself broke. So obviously back to the drawing board and um, we made them commercially for us to use. And then sort of we had all the customers going, oh, what was on that pork ribs or, you know, what was on those, those beef ribs? And so I'd go out the back of the kitchen and go, yeah, like, you know, grab a bag, have a container, 
take it with you. And suddenly my wife's going, do you know how much rub you're giving away? Like, you got to bottle it up. You got to, you got to, and not so much just for making money off of it, but to to get it out there and to to not be giving away and running running it short in the kitchen and having the chef continually make more and more rubs, give up with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a it's a good business model too to to, to have people come in and and try your food and then you go, hey, here's a bottle for an extra ten bucks. Take a bottle home with you. You know. Yeah, well, different to most restaurants, we've actually got, I've, I've followed through with the butchering and I've kept a small meat display, as you would have seen when you were down here, a small meat display in here. So you can actually come in and purchase during the day, have a beer and purchase some meat. We've always got the, the pork ribs and the beef ribs and the briskets and all the low and slow cuts. So straight away when they're coming in there, they, they'll say, oh, what's rubs good? And not being biased, but <laughs> my um, sales of other rubs have slightly, slightly decreased at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I was, I was going to ask about that. Tell us about the, ra- uh, about the range of what you've got there in the shop. Uh, the range, I don't know if you can see it behind me here. We've got a wall full of rubs that we get um, supplied. We go through Q Club and Stag and & Co and all the, all the good ones. The, the range is huge, but if I was to pick out some favourites at the moment, I've uh, just got onto the new Sut Knuckle rub that Craig's bought out. Um, this thing is fire. This thing is a, it's a honey sweet. I was telling, I was telling him yesterday, like I'm, I'm basically just going <laughs> to um, start drinking the stuff, mix it with some water and drinking it. But um, we're putting on onion rings and fries and all that in the, in the venue here. And it's, it's mind blowing. And then we've got um, Tom Domain from Smoky Pastures. He's now um, bringing out a range as well. And he's got um, like a, a bacon cure rub that's come out. So we're actually doing a masterclass with Tom Domain and Aaron Palmer from Low and Slow Basics for Father's Day that's going to be teaching guys how to make bacon. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, so that, that rub there is another amazing one. And then obviously um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big big fan of the bath cut by the Butcher's Axe as well from my home cooks. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've tried that one yet. I've tried the bullseye and the, uh, the first one, the lamb one. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, but there's, um, I mean, we could go on for rubs for years. There's, I, I, I haven't found a bad one yet. I think the more you can put your own flavor profile out in a rub, the better it is. And that's why I do promote and do believe in Suck Knuckles' new rub. That's Craig, that's Craig in a rub. Like, it's so bold and big and character, like that big laugh he's got and everything. That's, that's Craig in a rub. And that's, that's where I think you've hit the bullseye. And that's why I was orientated with those hip hop labels and all that. I wouldn't mind being. No, I'm known as the dirty larrick and the, the loose dude, and that's what that's what my rubs are. They're they're dirty and they're loose. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Now you've also got a a small meat cabinet there behind you, and you are a butcher by trade. Do you uh do you still uh you know break up meat and things yourself in the in the shop there? No, we don't break them up because we get it all we get it all in pre packed. I've actually um done a, a deal so to speak with um a South Australian supermarket brand called Drake's, which is a local supplier. Um, and they've they've started supplying some some great low and slow meat at the moment. They're using sun pork, baby back ribs, and um, some of the oaky wagyu and stuff like that. So JP, um, a guy from there, we've sort of linked up and we're working together on producing some really really good quality low and slow cuts that can be at hand for someone on a Sunday afternoon and um, going to the supermarket grabbing some bread and milk and grab a pack of beef ribs while you're there. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. So from what I've gathered, then your People can come into your store, they can have a beer, they can try some of the food out of your kitchen there, they can then buy some of the meat, buy some of the rubs, take it home and have a crack at it themselves. 100%. The main thing, uh, the main thing that I like to promote here is come in and talk about what you're buying. But 
I'm always here. I live here, basically. Um, always up for giving advice, always up for talking. If you're happy with what you're doing, discuss it with me. I might learn something off you. But um, the beauty of it is you can come in here, sit down, have a beer. We can talk barbecue. I'll run you through the smokers I'm using. We can compare it to what you're doing. Um, it's more creating an experience rather than just a purchase. Well, that is the the unique thing about what you have to offer because you do have that that background as a butcher. You've then moved into low and slow cooking. You're now cooking out of a commercial kitchen. Uh, I mean, you've you've really got the the entire gambit of the of the industry knowledge there. Next thing, I'm going to start some uh, radio interviews. See, how I go with that. Yeah, no, podcasting is pretty close. <laughs> very close. Um, it's good to have that broad knowledge, a little bit of everything, um, and you create your own flavor and style with that. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, do you have like a an, an online shop at, available? Are are people able to jump online and order stuff and have it delivered? I've I've started, um, believe it or not, started trying to build my own website. I got heaps of time on my hands. I was bored, twiddling my thumbs at home on the couch, and thought I can do this. This is easy. So I'm about halfway through. I've got a great graphic designer. Um, guy down here that runs out of McLarenville in the wine region and he's the guy that's been doing all my rub labels and he's sort of uh, into his R&B and music and into his low and slow cooking as well so his influences are the same as mine and um, he's sort of helping me build that website which we're about to launch in the next few weeks so people will be able to purchase it online. Um, I won't push it I won't push it like um, the other guys do I, don't, I, I prefer that face-to-face experience um, and I like, I, I, I like to talk to people. I like to catch up with people. So it's not something I'll more um, push what I'm doing and where I'll be. So where the food truck will be or what events we've got going on at the venue and stuff like that. Um, we'll have the option of purchasing our rubs through there. But, I'll, yeah, it'll be right on the back page of the website, so to speak. It's not something that I'm really interested in. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Sounds good. I was just curious because um, there's yeah. so many people moving that way at the moment, particularly with with COVID and this uh, this development of uh, of what experts are dubbing the delivery culture. I was just curious about that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the whole world is changing with COVID, and every way we buy things, you know, ordering food. I could, I couldn't imagine what Uber's Uber's uh, percentage up at the moment would be. I couldn't even think of it. But yeah, you're right. Everything is changing that way. Um, I don't know if it's what you call being old school in my mind or whatever. I just like that that personal experience of, um, you know, always someone comes in here, it's like, oh, do you need a hand with those beef ribs? You know, do you want me to take that membrane off for you? Do you want me to show you? And I'll literally take them out in the kitchen, remove that silver skin and remove that membrane for them. And they're mind blown. Oh, well, what, you'll really do that for me? It's like, yeah, that's that's what barbecue is about. You've got to pass on what you know. And, you know, the more people that do it, the the better the lifestyle is for all of us. Yeah, no doubt about that at all. Now, let's move on to the truck. Tell us about how, uh, about how that came about? Oh, the truck. <laughs> Last night. Last night I was in the truck. We served 180 meals in two hours and 15 minutes. Oh, wow. So the the lineup was about 130 people plus. <laughs> from when I rolled. I put on the social media, I'll be there at 5 o'clock. I got out there at about 4, 4.30, and there was about 60 people already waiting. And I've gone, oh, <laughs> What are we? What are we in for here? Like you know, um, so and that was just bloody mental. So the the truck has taken off in a way that I, when the view of the business was to get the truck was sort of extra on top, and the truck is slowly taking over where it's the main concern of the business. Um, we've got Wavell Showgrounds down here, which is the biggest 
um, showgrounds in Adelaide and they've now picked it up. They want it in for all of their events. So we've done a couple of events in Wable already. Um, it's getting booked for weddings, 21st. It's taken off 10 times faster than what I ever, ever thought it would be. Um, and it's, it's a way of me once again learning as I go along. Um, last night when we got there, we got absolutely tumbled in the first hour. We were running around in circles, scratching our heads, going, what are we, what are we doing? What have we got ourselves into? But that's part of the experience. And um, luckily, luckily down here in little old Adelaide, as they say, everyone embraces that, that journey with you and rolls with those punches with you. And you go, all right, cool. Next one's going to be even better. Let's go again. Like, and it's just a great thing to not only learn those things, but learn it with your customers and with the public as you do it. Yeah. Very nice. Now, you just mentioned that uh, that that it's picked up a lot quicker than than you're expecting. What, why do you think that's happened? That is probably the the only thing that COVID has actually done in my favour. <laughs> Strangely enough, um, when COVID hit, we hit the pretty hard restrictions here in Adelaide that we basically had to close. We had to close our venue down for about three months, and me not being able to sit still for thirty seconds, let alone three months, was like right. I've got to do something here. What am I going to do? So that's where the, the food truck come into play. And literally, it was quite, we were almost like the ice cream man when we were a kid, you know, rolling around the streets with the music playing, waiting for someone to buy some barbecue. Um, we ended up with a spot out north at a, at a hotel there where they closed down their kitchen. And he said, yeah, come out here. I've got to drive through so we can incorporate the beer sales with the barbecue. And we rolled out. We put it all up on our social medias and all that and got out there and same thing, line up 50, 60 people deep. And it was just on from the minute we got there. And we were like, okay, we're... We've started something here and then we sort of started just taking it all around the whole of LA down south to the coast on the beach and up in the hills. And we're looking uh, later on in the year to do some, a few rural places up in the country and stuff like that. So it's good to hit the road with it. It's something different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So did you have to do all the different things like, you know, put a cone out every one and a half meter, a, a, a traffic cone out every one and a half meters? hundred um, percent. Space yep. people out. And- yeah. So we had uh, cones between 1.5 meters. At one stage when it got really bad down here, we started doing a quick drive-through option where we were literally doing a barbecue box, running it out to their car, putting it through the window, swiping their car <laughs> and sending them on their way. Like I'm someone that um, embraces anything that's thrown at me. I'll, I'll make something of it. Um, and it, it, I, was, I remember it was down with rain I'm running barbecue boxes up and down the food truck out to the cars my wife's just there shaking her head at me going what are you doing and I was like yeah this is so I'm loving this this is so much fun like yeah I'm someone that's just yeah give me whatever give me a three and a four in poker and I'll go for 21 you know yeah 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 sounds good to me man so one of the big questions that that I do want to ask is a lot of people will move from the backyard into a in, into a trailer or a truck and then into bricks and mortar, but you did it opposite. You sort of went, went against the grain there. Why, why did I, you go for the shop first and the, and the truck second? I got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that um, that was going to be some part of like some grand strategy yeah, yeah, yeah. that you were going to share. I know, with us. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it's just a strategic move I made. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, I got no idea. I, I wanted, when I had the butcher shop, I was in, um, developing relationships with customers especially the low and slow guys where it was, we were leaning over the counter and we'd sit there talking for half an hour, 45 minutes about barbecue. And I always said to my wife, I wish we could do this over beer and over food. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking to these guys, I'm developing friendships, not just customers. Um, so straight away when we, and it was out of the blue that we got offered um, the, the sale on the bookshop. It wasn't that we chose to leave it. Some guy came up to the counter and wanted us, wanted to buy us out. So wow, that's cool. um, we straight away went, I said, right. 
I, I wanted to do this. I'm, um, I want to buy a bar and I want to do some food. And um, I actually rang Andrew from Q Club. I jumped on the phone to Andrew and I said, Andrew, I said, um, look, um, what you do, like, it's amazing. I've always wanted to do that type of concept. They are crushing, um, I don't yeah, I don't want to. I want to. I want to be seen. I'm copying you or anything. But can I get some, some advice? And we all know what the big cab's like. Um, Ten minutes later, I'm on a plane flying <laughs> over to Melbourne, and I'm. I'm no. This is no lie. And yeah, three days later, I'm flying on a plane over to Melbourne, sleeping at Andrew's house, and he's showing me how to run, how he runs the Q club and giving me all the inside outs. We wow. got off the airport. And we, we got off of the plane. We. Did the uh, old Mikey and Grant thing and hired the Mustang, and we jumped in the Mustang. We went straight to the Q Club, and we just sat there. And Andrew just fed me this bookload like of information of what I need to do, and you know, this is the staffing. This is how you set this up. This is what you do here. And I think we spent almost a week at Andrew's house, and the hospitality that him and Pam gave us was like second to none, and just opened their not just their house, not just their lifestyle, but even their business and how they they live and how they survive. They opened all that up to me and my wife Tanya and just welcomed us with open arms. It was, it was mind blowing. Like, wow, that's, that's incredible. Um, yes. We all know what Andrew's like. So everyone probably watching this is going, yeah, well, that's Andrew. Do you know what I mean? But name, name guys that will do that in business. Like there's, there's not many. Yeah. Yeah. We often say that uh, the competition barbecue is so good for that reason. You know, you can come into yeah. my tent and I'll show you everything I do. That's one thing. But as you say, when it comes to business, that's a whole other whole other ball game. So someone that's going to invite you into their family home and then teach you how they've, how they've built their business. That's uh, that's something else altogether. Yeah. And that, that, that is what barbecue, exactly what we're saying. That is what barbecue is about. And that's where I struggled in the meat game. We, um, you know, butchers would be like, Oh, I don't go to that butcher. I'm sponsored by this butcher or, you know what I mean? That butcher does it better. You know, and it's, it's still going on now. I'll, I'll speak about it. It's still going on now in Australia with a couple of the, the bigger butchers and, you know, to be honest, when it comes to low and slow cuts, we're opening a cryback bag and we're handing it to a customer. <laughs> if you can do that better than someone else, I'm open ears because we're all on the same playing field. It's We should all be working together and building an, an industry like the barbecue has become and all working together on it. That's that's simple. So Andrew taught me that on hospitality side of things. Um, I hope I hope that I can push that on because st- I'm still involved in helping other butchers here in Adelaide. Only two weeks ago, I spent a week out in a butcher shop. We had a mate out here that was in some trouble. I went out there and helping him run his shop for a week in the mornings um, and then coming back to the venue and running the venue in the afternoons. Um, so I'm still involved in the meat industry as such. And it would be great to see the, all these guys take that new leaf and all work together. That would be great to see. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that at all. So let's just loop back to the truck again for a second. What have you found have been some of the advantages of of trading out of a food truck versus the, the shop? Being able to move where the crowds are. For example, you come the middle of summer, I'll head down the coast. Um, middle of winter, you can you can pick your days. You're not limited to, you know, I have to be open Monday to Friday or, you know, Saturday, Sunday, whatever days they are. You're, you're open to your, to match your own lifestyle. Um, I'm looking to embrace the positives of the food truck of being able to go away, have some weekends away, take off, you know, over to, over to Melbourne or something like that when the borders open back up and do, do a weekend there and then bring it back. So the, I guess the freedom is what I'm trying to say. The, the options of um, being able to go and do whatever you want with it. Um, for example, you know, we'll go out to our spots with the food truck and I'll have my music blaring like it's a bloody nightclub. And 
the customers love it where you do that in a restaurant or you do that in a butcher shop. It's a bit like, well, what's this guy doing? What, what's happening here? But the food truck, you, you create this atmosphere where everyone's basically on a dance floor, you know, it's, it's great. That's probably one of the biggest, biggest positives. Um, and I always say the food truck really is, it's like a drug. You, you prep for a big gig for two, three days, um, cutting meat, trimming meat, smoking meat, cutting all the slaw, you know, all this three days of a build-up. And then you get out there and you, you're there for three hours and you, you completely sell out of everything. And it's just this rush. And at the end of it, the lot, you know, you turn off the lights and you got sweat pouring down. You're like, what just happened? Where am I? And you, you go home and you're still like wide awake. I literally jump on the phone and ring everyone that I'm involved with, um, Kato and Grant and all, all the people that have helped me with this business. I'm like, what is this amount of money? They're like, calm down, breathe. What happened? What happened? Well, you know, we did this and this person did that. And we had the, this person was there. And it's just such an excitement, adrenaline rush, because it's such a build up over such a short period of time that you don't even realize it's happening while it's happening. Like, you, like your wedding day. And like, you know, when, you, when your child's born, at the end of it, you go, whoa, that really just happened. Well, Every gig I do on that food truck is like that. Like, it's just mind-blowing. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Alrighty, now we're going to uh, start to uh, move into the third segment of the interview now, and you wanted to share with us some uh, some some tips for barbecuing at scale. So uh, I'll I'll, hit, I'll turn the microphones over to you, and you can kick things off. Yeah, sure. So, look, um, working in the meat industry and now in hospitality, the, probably the most common question I get asked is, you know, I've got 10 people coming over. What size brisket do I need? Or, you know, I'm, I'm doing a buck sign. I've got 100 people. Do I need 500 kilos of meat or whatever? Um, and things, just those type of questions of what actually cooking for a certain amount of people. That was probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned moving over into the different trades that I do now that, um, controlling what you cook and the amount you cook and also the times that you cook things. That's a massive, massive thing in barbecue. You know, um, you can't put a bristle on the same time you put a chicken wing on or, you, you know, and you can't serve 300 grams of brisket in a barbecue box and, and uh, make money. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's about supplying the right amount of food where people walk away going, I've eaten everything and everything. I'm full. I've got the meat sweats but limiting on how much you actually put in that box so they, they get a good taste of barbecue. That's, that's the big one. So it kind of sounds like what you're saying is you need to strike a balance within that box of, um, of, where, of finding where your profit margins are large versus where they're small. And that's, that's a hard thing to do, especially for me. I'm someone like, you come over to my house, I'll feed you. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you'll be asleep on my couch after eating food. So it's a matter of me personally getting that same experience with every customer but not, you know, not having my account call me at the end of the week going, what the hell did you do this week? And that's, that's, that's a massive, massive one. And even when I say on a business level, even on a personal level, like I think that's what scares um, some of the amateur guys off in cooking long and slow. They'll go out to a butcher shop and they'll see a brisket for, you know, 80, 100 bucks and go, oh, I'm not paying that for me. Where you can, you can break that down and do it in so many different meals that that could be, your whole weekly meat budget could be that one brisket. You know, you, you can do tacos, you can do spaghetti bolognese, you can do so many different meals with the one cut of meat mm. that it can actually end up being very cost-effective compared to buying steaks, chops, chicken breast and minced meat and that stuff. Using it versatile is all about being cost-effective with barbecue. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, some of the um, some of the guys in uh, in the Smoky Confessions Barbecue community are into doing uh, Japanese noodle dishes at the moment, and some of the it's, some of the slices of brisket going into those noodles are just it just looks amazing. I'm loving seeing. Um, we've got Dane Coleman down here from Smoking Still. He's right into doing like his brisket foes, and uh, um, even uh, Smoking Joint hooked up with um, a couple of the other guys that went out to my Euro Station, and they were doing some um, pork belly buns some rolls and stuff and they're different styles they can now do with barbecue sort of like a like an infused barbecue uh, i'm loving the look of that because i think the guys like you know like yourself and like us that have been doing it for so many years now brisket isn't the most appealing meal to me anymore i'm sorry like don't get me wrong i, I love my burn ends but i can't eat it every day anymore i really can't so to see these infused barbecue menus coming out now it's it's amazing to see and um, um, looking forward to seeing all the different styles to come through. It's actually funny that you say that. I'm I'm just trying to think back in my in my mind now of when was the last time I just sat and had a couple of slices of brisket, and it's, <laughs> it's, probably, it, it, it's probably only once or twice a year that I'll that I'll cook a brisket and slice it up and just have a meal of brisket and slaw or something like that. But um, it's it's where the brisket goes after that that I get most 100%. excited about. Yeah, it's it's as you're saying that I was um we finished lunch service here now. That's why I'm able to do this interview. Um, we had customers a table in here who have two, and I've walked past them today, and I've they've ordered a couple of barbecue boxes. I said, guys, weren't weren't you guys at the food truck last night? I said, yeah, yeah, we, we were there last night. And I've I've gone out the back, and I've, I've um I was actually I actually rang Grant Neil, telling um getting a few pointers and stuff for this interview. I said, oh, you'll never guess. I've got customers in here that are eating here now, and we're eating last night. And his response was. Bleh. <laughs> like he couldn't think of anything worse eating barbecue back to back, and so that's where I think the the infused menus of like your brisket foes and things like that are going to start growing them. You know, we can only you can't eat chicken every day. It's the saying, you know what I mean? Like I think we're not getting bored of it because the the passion of cooking it, I don't think we'll ever ever leave any of our any of our bloods. But the passion of actually eating it, we need to uh, we are expanding our minds into different menus in different ways. You know, chili con carnes and different tacos and, you know, the things that are coming out now. And I think that's where SCA sort of made a great influence on barbecue, that you see these such different things come out now that are mind-blowing. Like, you know, a lot of a lot of the old-school barbecue guys are like, oh, no, I don't do edible flowers. I don't do any glitter. But you actually look at what the guys have made in those boxes, and it is mind-blowing. And that's where I think the whole different infused style of barbecue has actually come from, is that little bit of influence from the SCA. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the things that, that I wanted to ask you about um, about barbecuing at scale is how do you calculate volume? You sort of mentioned that before with some with some people asking you questions about bucks parties and all that sort of thing. How do you calculate volume for the different events? And then how do you manage to link that back to making a regular order each week from your suppliers? Yeah, sure. So look, the way I work out volume is very much how you said, well, I went from bricks and water to a food truck. I work backwards. <laughs> um, probably no one, I don't know if anyone else does it, I don't know. Um, I literally work backwards on my ordering. So I'll start off with going how many people I've got, how many grams of each cut of protein I want to give them. Um, a common mistake I find is a lot of people go like two, 300 grams of protein, thinking they've got to give that to the one person. Well, then you go pork, lamb, chicken on top of that. You're now dealing with five, 600 grams of protein and they just blow it out of the ballpark. I've, I've gone to so many barbecues where it's just like so much meat where it's like, no, why don't you have little bits of everything and make it the same amount of protein? So I'll always work on around 300, 350 grams of protein on a finished product per, per serving. So me personally, I always work on about 300 grams 
per person per serving. Um, obviously, added on with extra sides and all the fun stuff on top of that, pulled pork nachos and things like that in the box as well. Oh, beautiful, man. That sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah. And one of the biggest challenges that I've heard from uh, from talking to other people doing uh, food trucks and, and restaurants and that is find is finding and securing regular products so consistent weights and qualities and all that sort of thing how what what advice do you have for for sifting through suppliers um the best advice i give is communicate make a relationship with whoever you're purchasing um like we do with our barbers you know like we won't go to i don't know about you but i don't go to a different barber i go to my same barber every single time i walk in he doesn't say to me how do you want your haircut he says you know, how's Jordan and Tanya? How's the wife and kids? Uh, you know, how's the shop going? So exactly the same thing with your purchases. If I hear, especially in the hospitality, it's quite big to swap and to change suppliers. Where in the meat industry, it's very much you find one that you like and you get along with, you create a relationship and a bond with him, and then you work on developing an actual business strategy together on producing a good product. So that's probably the big one that I've, I've, I've learned myself that, the difference between the meat and the, the hospitality is I'm finding people in the hospitality game that I like, um, that inspire me or that, you know, understand what I'm doing and I stick with them and we, we grow together. So that's, that's the big one I find. Mate, I love that this keeps looping back to relationships. I think that that's absolutely just, just incredible. It, it, it seems to be a common theme coming through everything that you've said to me this afternoon. It's all about the relationships. It is. I, that's what barbecue is about to me. Even, even putting a meal on the table here, my goal is to not give you a good feed. It, that, that's supposed to be done. That's, what, that's my benchmark. That, that has to happen. My thing is to um, develop a relationship with you, create you having an experience. Whether you're here for your 21st, whether you're here for your wedding anniversary, whatever you're here for, I want you to walk out going, I had the best anniversary or I had the best birthday, not I had the best meal. That, that's standard. That's, that's my job to do that. I want to go above that and go, I actually had the best night or the best Saturday night or the best work drinks or whatever I had. That was the best food truck experience. That was the best steak I bought, not I bought a good steak, you know? Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are some really cool words that you're, uh, that you're sharing there, some real tips of wisdom. I love that sort of stuff. Um, okay, so let's, uh, let's round things out with your top three pieces of advice for people who are either looking to get into a food truck, a bricks and mortar, or both. Follow your passion. would be the very first one. Follow your passion. If the, I, I, the way that things have changed in this day and age, especially now that COVID's going strong, we're looking for identities in business. That's what I believe. We're looking for characters in business. And, you know, like you, you go, I don't know what it's like in Queensland, but in Adelaide here, we'll go to a barbershop and there'll be a graffiti wall, a pinball machine or an able table in a barbershop or we'll go to, to a milk bar and they'll have like vending machines of crazy stuff or whatever, you know. Whatever you think is outside the box and whatever you think is crazy and stupid, if it's you, do it because people will love it. That's, that's where I've gone with this hip-hop theme. It's a completely different, weird aspect. And everyone's just loving it. They're embracing it. They're like, what? Chicky Minaj, what? Picky Smalls. And it creates sales you know, in a really, really weird way. If, you know, if you're into pretty flowers or you're into ballerinas or anything like that, do it. Like, just go with your identity and your, what you believe in. So tip number two would honestly be um, don't be scared to seek advice. Speak to people that you honestly look up to. I had the guys, um, Mikey Wilcox is a, a, a name that comes straight to my head. Um, I looked up before I'd even met Mikey or knew of Mikey. I was, I was a big follower of the whole badass barbecue scene. I thought his marketing and, you know, what he was doing was amazing. I, I 
got in touch with him. I've ended up competing with Mikey now. I've ended up doing masterclasses with Mikey now. Wow. Mikey stayed at my house on a regular basis. Um, I've, our wives are good friends now. Um, we're, we're trying to organize now to catch back up and I'm trying to get over to his house now. We talk every second or third day and he was an inspiration to me. So big advice would be if you see someone or like something that someone else is doing, don't, don't see it as competition. Don't get involved with it. Talk to them. Ask them to learn. It's exactly like what I was saying, what I did with Andrew. I, di- I didn't bring up Andrew to say, I want to copy your idea. I said, I'm looking up to you. I, I respect what you're doing. I need some help. I want some advice. Can I be involved? Can I get some help? And that's the difference between the barbecue scene and any other scene is they will open their hands and give you a big hug and say, come on in, let's, let's, what, what can we do? How can I help you? Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it would honestly be to look up to whoever inspires you, communicate with, especially in barbecue, communicate with them, talk with them and seek advice off them. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I have done exactly the same thing with, I think exactly the same people when I was, uh, when I was trying to work out all the AV stuff, the microphones, the cameras and that, it was Mikey that I went to and I said, this is what I want to do. It's a bit different to what you're doing, but can you give me some ideas of how to do it? And he was great. He said, look, this is the hardware I use. Bang, bang, bang. This is how I do it. Bang, bang, bang. There you go. And I was like, Phew. awesome. So yeah, yeah top I, only dudes, spoke to, I, only sp- I spoke to him yesterday and he, I said to him, Mom, I've got this masterclass coming up and, you know, we used to do for barbecue floor. I said, have you still got that old run sheet we do at the barbecue floor? Have you got information? Right, right? Two minutes later, bang, email. This is what I did. This is what I do. These are, you know, this is my recipes. This is everything. Like, it's open book. And yeah, if you can find people like that, join up with them, link with them, embrace it and learn from them. Yeah, definitely. So good, man. So good. So what would be shout your... Out, shout, out to, shout out to Mikey Wilcox. <laughs> big shout out to Mikey Wilcox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would be your, your third and final tip? Third and final tip would, at the same time, embracing what other people do, embracing what other people do, don't worry about what other people do. A lot of, a lot of people, in, especially in business, get caught up with, oh, this guy's doing that, so I can't do that, or I've got to make this move, and, you know, oh, I've heard there's another barbecue shop coming here, or I've heard... You know, like exactly what I did here with the Q Club. Oh, you know, Andrew's already doing it. Don't worry about what other people are doing. They're on their game. They've already done it. They're, they're already doing it. You, you, you got to feed your family. You got to put your plate on the table. Worry about what you're doing. Concentrate on what you're doing. Be confident in what you want to do and you'll succeed. Mm. So don't mm. worry about what other people are doing and don't get caught up in that type of drama. Yeah. And if I could just add one thing to that, do it your way. Because, because the way that you do something is going to be different to the way that someone else does the same thing. So that's right. That's, that's what that comes back to my point. Number one, create your identity, create who you are. That's where I've been involved, like the hip hop. And you know what I mean? I've gone out and slung barbecue and done the same as everyone else. You know what I mean? Look at black bear barbecue, like their identity of who they are. It's black bear. Like no one can copy that. No one can do that. Um, and not that I'm on the even close to the scale of black, but as my brand grows, I will be that hip hop barbecue brand that no one else can do. So don't bother coming up being a hip hop barbecue brand, come up and be a ballet barbecue brand or come up and be a heavy metal barbecue brand or don't you know, come up and be um, sports car barbecue brand, whatever you want to do, but do it your way. And yeah, you'll succeed if you, if you're confident in who you are you'll succeed in whatever you choose to do. Mate, I love that so much. All right, look, um, I, I, I realise that service time is coming up for you. We've just seen a couple of customers yeah, starting to come and go already. So I'm going to throw the studio <laughs> yeah, over exactly. to you. Give it, uh, give us some shout-outs and some thanks and tell people where they can track uh, Rick's Grill down on the internet. Yeah, sure. So uh, our main page is Facebook, uh, Facebook RG, and you'll find us on there. We've got the Instagram of RG as well. We're now building the website. Um, Look, I'm a chatty bloke. Hit me up on a, a direct message. 
we can chat. I'll tell you where I am. You want to come learn some lessons? We've got masterclasses happening all the time. We've got live shows coming. Um, in the talks of looking at another venue. <laughs> I can't say it. Wow. My lips are still on that. But yes, there's always things the very end of the interview. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Um, look, I'm always growing. I'm always doing something different. Um, send me a private message. Follow me because things are changing and they always will with me. Next, next interview will be something different, Ben, I know. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to it. Look, I, I just I just want to say thanks very much for coming on the show. Um, I really appreciated you you, you taking the time. I, I realize that you're a busy man. You're even busier than me. Um, I, I only sleep five to six hours a night, and you're sleeping four. So you're you're uh, you're uh, beating man, me, I guess, if that's a way of looking at it. You're uh, you you yeah, I guess so. You're winning I think you're beating one. me actually, but anyway. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, mate, thank you very much for your time. All right, mate. Well, no, thank you, Ben. Nice catch up, mate. And there you have it, family. That was Rick Carr himself from Rick's Grill all the way down there in South Australia in Radelaide. Um, I have been to that joint myself. It is really cracking. And I have, I've had some of those chicken wings and they were fantastic. So we got to talk about um, about Rick's beginnings as a butcher and then the the three different sort of phases of his career in, in barbecue. We got to find out all about the shop and the truck. And then we closed out with some, uh, with some tips and advice for people who are looking to, to walk a similar path. But doing it in their own way, which was a, a, a really nice way that we sort of summed up the end there. Um, so if you are watching this video on Facebook and you've really enjoyed it, give us a like and a share. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that little notification bell, subscribe and give us a thumbs up. On Instagram TV, the little uh, the little hearts and follows are the way to go. And if you're listening on a podcasting app, see if you can give us a bit of a bit of a rating and review. Particularly if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, um, that particular platform carries a lot of weight in the industry, and ratings and reviews really mean a lot over there. Um, so thank you very much for your time. It was great to catch up with Rick. I can't wait to get down to Adelaide again. And until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.